we're going to do. I think we're going to, um, I think we're going to, we won't get through tonight. We won't get through everything tonight. We will, uh, it'll probably take two weeks and we'll be through this lesson. And then I think where we're going to go is we're going to move into Revelation. So I've been looking and praying through this and how I wanted to work through it. And I, I don't know that I'm going to do, and I've said this before, I don't know that I'm going to do verse by verse through Revelation, but we'll go, we may go chapter by chapter, section by section. I'm not sure how, how the Lord's going to lead in that. It may end up being verse by verse. And but we're going, to, we're going to start working through the book of Revelation. And with that, we'll bounce all over the place. We're going to be looking at a lot of different things. But tonight, we're going to kind of in the way of introduction still, because really what we've been doing is, is looking at some of these signs of the times, time, signs of things that are coming, th things that we can look for before the Lord's return. And I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm talking about the Lord's second coming. When he comes back and sets everything right, he levels the field and makes everything right and righteousness reigns, judgment is, is poured out, and everything is made right. Everything is put back the way it ought to be. And that's going to be a great, great day, unless you don't know the Lord. That's going to be a great day for us as believers. So we've been looking at different signs, and we're going to look at this last one we're going to look at is Babylon. And this, this, this let's just... I'm about to say something, but I'm going to, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So we're looking at Babylon. Like I said, it'll probably take a couple of weeks to get through this, but let's just get going. So 1 John 2, 6 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. We, we, that's a scripture we understand today. It's prevalent because we still struggle today. We struggle with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are struggles we have. It's those same tactics Satan used in the garden in Genesis 3 with Eve. He, he attacked in a way that was, was tempting to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And so Adam and Eve, when approached with that, when addressed that, God, they, they felt like, you know, God's holding out on me. God's holding out on me. That's that, that, that pride of life. God's holding out. And then we had Cain. As you're moving through those scriptures there and you find Cain, and Cain's approach was this. You know, Cain says, I'll approach God the way I want to approach God. I'll come to him my way. I don't care what he said. I've worked hard. I've done this. I'm going to bring the fruit of my labor to him, and I'll approach him that way. And it's sad in that story because God gave him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to repent and to turn from that and to do the right thing, and he did not. And, and it's just, it's just a, it's a shame that it, it went that way. But that's a result of the pride of life. And then we come to the Tower of Babel. And, and that was man's first attempt to establish a world order void of God's influence. Genesis chapter 11, it was this whole thing, man attempt. See, God had told man to scatter and to populate the entire earth. That's what God's command was. So what does man do? Of course, man just scatters and does exactly what God says. No, it, it, isn't it amazing? Uh, and we look back and we will look back with criticism we look back and look down our nose at everybody in Scripture and go, well, I can't believe they did that. I would never do that. We do the same thing today, folks. We, we do the same thing today. This book is full of stuff as God has told us. Do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. It, when God says do it, we, 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 we... When he says don't do it, boy, we run to it. We're like Jordan running after... Jordan, no. <laughs> I mean, that's us. That's us. But that's that picture of sin. God said to scatter, and they said, man said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Well, that was God's plan. 
His plan was for them to scatter. His plan was for them to go all over and to populate the earth. And so direct defiance and rebellion to God's command. Now that tower, we understand, was in that city that we're talking about tonight, in Babylon. That's where that tower was. Now Babylon, when you talk about Babylon, you're talking about the the second most frequently mentioned city in the Bible. In the New King James Bible, it's mentioned 287 times in 253 uh, verses. And it's never positive. Babylon's never spoken of in Scripture positively. So when you start looking at that, you go, well, is there anything good then in Babylon? Is there anything we can draw from that? No, the only thing you can draw from Babylon is it was a wicked place. And and we're going to learn about the city. But it's never spoken of positively in the Scriptures. Now, Babylon's origin was pagan, humanistic, and rebellious against God. So from the very start, this, this Babylon, this, and it's not just a city, it's a concept, it's an idea, it's an ideology, it's all of this involved in this, and it's, and it's pagan, it's humanistic, it's rebellious against God. Dr. Charles Dyer summarized the early prominence of Babylon. He says, for nearly 2,000 years, Babylon was the most important city in the world. It was the commercial and financial center for all Mesopotamia, the center of a geographical X that linked the Orient with the Mediterranean and Egypt with Persia. Its scribes and priests spread its cultural heritage throughout the known world. The arts of divination Astronomy, astrology, accounting, and private commercial law all sprang from Babylon. So, you know, it's no longer today. Now, all right, so beautiful picture. I mean, you look at, and I can imagine, imagine Babylon in its heyday. It would be no comparison. I mean, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful, if you, you know, when you think about those ancient cities and some of the things that were built, ornate, Gorgeous. I mean, it's there in the Fertile Crescent. There's things grew in there. There was amazing things. So it's it's a um, it's a it's a beautiful city. So I just wanted you to see that picture. Let me see if this is going to work. There we go. Ah, it worked. All right. So what we have right there, I want you I want you to get an idea. If you don't already know where Babylon is, because I, I, some may think Babylon is Baghdad, and Baghdad and Babylon are not the same. And as I understand, it, it's about a sixty mile. If I can get through here, about a sixty mile difference. You can see Baghdad here. It's about a sixty mile stretch from south of Baghdad is where Babylon is. That's right there in that fertile crescent. It's right there between the rivers. That's uh, that would have been teeming with life and everything. Just a just a, an amazing place. Now, it's, well, let me, let me continue. All right, so that's, y'all know what that is, right? That's Iraq. Well, 25 years ago, we might not have known where Iraq was, but then comes the Iraq war and all of that, and we, we become very familiar with the things in the Middle East. So we know where you see Saudi Arabia down there in the lower left, Jordan's over there to the west, Syria's to the northwest, Iran is right there at the border. So there's Iraq, there's the river Euphrates, the Tigris River, all that's right in there. It's a fertile, amazing area, and it really was the crossroads of the world in that day. Everything, it was everything came through that area. So that's there in Iraq, which you can see a little better. And the highlighted part of that, you can kind of see that fertile crescent. There's, there's desert all around that, mountains all around that, but that area was a very um, 
Luxuri- it was, I mean, it was just growth and everything. It was an amazing area. It's why they called it the Fertile Crescent. Things, everything grew in there. And so it was a blessed area. So you've got Babylonia there and, and uh, Babylon, and then you've got, you, you, you got um, what is modern-day Baghdad up there, but you've got Babylon right there. And um, so it's no longer, now it was in that day, it was a very, it was a prominent place. So you, now, I want you to see this picture. I think this is, i got one more after that, but... Uh, you got an idea then of where it sits in the, in the picture of the total globe, and that's going to come into play later on as we're talking about this. So it's, yes, yeah, right in the middle of everything, right in the middle of everything there. So it's no longer a culture and financial powerhouse, but its, influence, its influences have endured for centuries right on into today, into present day. We're still, and we talked about the, the cultural influences, the, the financial influences. Ba- Babylon has influenced even today things that are going on today. The, the influence started way back then. And certainly the anti-God emphasis, the anti-God philosophy, and that it was pushed, and that, that comes from that as well. So in the scriptures, we see that Babylon will be the center of a financial world order which will dominate the tribulation period. Um, let me read what Dr. Henry Morris said about, about why would that be? Why is it that Babylon going to be, uh, why would it possibly be such an area? He said, Babylon is indeed a prime prospect for rebuilding entirely apart from any prophetic uh, imitation, I- intimation. Its location is the most ideal in the world for any kind of international center. Not only is it in the beautiful and fertile Tigris-Euphrates plain, but it is, the, is near some of the world's richest oil reserves. Babylon is very need, near the geographical center of all of the earth's land masses. It is within navigable distances of the Persian Gulf and is, and is at the crossroads of the three great continents of Europe, Asia, and Africa. Thus, there is no more ideal location anywhere in the world trade for a world trade center, a world communication center, a world banking center, a world education center, or especially a world capital. The greatest historian in modern time, Arnold uh, Toynbee, used to stress, used to stress, that Babylon would be the best place in the world to build a future world cultural metropolis. So that, that's the idea of historians, of what they've seen of Babylon, and then you look at where it sits in the world today. Okay, So that's the idea of Babylon then and how it got started. Now, what are we looking at today? When we look about, talk about Babylon's rebirth, now if you want to turn, turn to Revelation 18. That's where we're going to spend our time tonight is Revelation 18. We're going to be on some different passages, but that's going to be the emphasis of our, of our scriptures tonight is there in Revelation 18. So it appears from scripture that when the Antichrist seizes control of the world government, his administration will be divided among three power centers. So you have, uh, you have the political base that we find in Revelation 17, and that's Rome, okay, the political base. Then you have the, the control center for religion, 2 uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 tells us this is, uh, who oppresses and exalts himself above, above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And that will be in Jerusalem. 
The, the world center of, of worship and religion will be controlled there from Jerusalem. There in the temple, the rebuilt temple. He'll set himself up, up there. So you've got the political base in Rome. You've got the religious base in Jerusalem. And then the financial and economic hub, according to Revelation 18, is here in Babylon. Now, when we get to Revelation, and let's just... Um, Boy, we're not going to get far, are we? Let's read. Let's just start reading. I'm, uh, let's read the first part. <clears throat> now, let's just, read, let's just read chapter 18. Okay? So I'm reading New King James. You can follow along. Chapter 18. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest ye share in her sins and lest ye receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen, and am no widow, and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Amen. Now, verse 9, the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her. For no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and bodies and souls of men. The fruit that, the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these, th of these things who became rich by her, will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ships, sailors, and all, as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what is like this great city? 
They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she is made desolate. Verse 20, rejoice. Now, we've seen lament, we've seen grieving by the wicked world, but look in verse 20. Rejoice, rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. Now, when we, when we, when we look at this... Um, Let's look verse, let's go back to verse 2. John lists here 28 commodities that will form the foundation of Babylon's world commerce in those end times. Now, we, we just read it, but let's read that again. For, um, not verse 2, verse 12. So verse 12 says, Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and bodies and souls of men. Now these commodities uh, are as desired today as they were when John wrote this. Everything on there was a commodity that when he wrote this, that would have been a big deal. Those would have been valuable things. And you look through that list, it's the, those things are valuable today. So it's a literal list. When we read this, it's a literal list that John has given us. But it's also a symbolic list, and it's symbolic of mankind's endless pursuit of material wealth. Man is constantly seeking material wealth. And these are the things, you know, how he's doing this. So merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls. Um, uh, David Jeremiah says this. He, he said that that might indicate that there's a collapse of global currencies, uh, forcing a reversal to perennial value standards such as precious metals and gemstones. I don't know. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I go there with that. I, I, maybe. Maybe, maybe we're trading in gold and silver at that time, but maybe it's just a, uh, maybe it's black market commodities. Maybe it's just the possessions of abundance. Maybe it's to a place that the only people, it's this, this prosperous, this, this exploitative society, and that's part of that, is these, these things that they're trading in, this, this merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones. And, um, as Jeremiah was, as I'm, as I'm reading and what he's writing, Jer Jeremiah expects that Babylon will rise like a phoenix from its present obscurity in the world to become the financial center of the world. Now, I'm, I'm not standing here to tell you I'm a, I'm, I'm a long, long way been, from being a prophetic expert. But it might be, and this is, you know, as I read and I read in color and I look at this, and I'm going to throw this out now because we're going to look at a lot that assumes Babylon is the physical city that's, that's rebuilt and, and comes back. 
When we talk about Babylon, we're talking about an idea. We're talking about a, a philosophy. We're talking about a culture. We're talking about this, this godless drive. And I'm not sure that Babylon itself isn't at this point a global, it's a, a, a global cultural, financial, it's the whole thing encompassed um, in, in, a, in, a, in a system versus a location. Now, I can't see because I'm on this side. We're on this side of what's going to happen. And when it happens, we're going to go, oh, that should have been, that should have been easy. We should, we should have easily known that Israel was going to become a state in 1948. That, would have, that should have been easy. We saw that. That was there. But, you know, for a long time, people knew that had to come, but they didn't know when, they didn't know how. And when it happened, it happened quick. And we go, wow, it literally happened like Scripture says. So I, I don't know. I don't know. But that location makes a lot of sense. The, the fact that the philosophy that comes out of Babylon and is still prevalent today makes a lot of sense. Some of the things that don't make sense to me is all of the trading. You, 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 you want to talk about China? Trade coming out of China? That's one thing. But the, the, the trade has trade and all that has moved. Has it moved to Babylon at that time? Perhaps. And perhaps it really is that city is rebuilt and it is, we're talking about a physical location. That's where, as Jeremiah, Dr. Jeremiah, as he's talking about this and we look at this, we're going to look at it from that slant that, that it is actually the, the physical location. But I read that and I still think there's the possibility that what we're talking about is, is it's a world system. It's the Babylonian world system and, and, and maybe my, I'll share some of my thoughts in that as we go, and I'll be glad to hear yours. So, um, so God will ultimately put an end to Babylon's evil outpour once and forever. So it's coming. It's coming. All this, this Babylonian influence that has happened since it was founded to today, it's going to come to an end. Isaiah 13, 19, if you want to write this down and look at it later, Isaiah 13, 19 through 22 says, in Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans' pride will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. But that'll tell you a little bit about what it's going to be like for, for this collapse. It'll be like that. Um, it will never be inhabited, nor will it be settled for generation to generation, nor will the Arabian pitch tents there, nor will the shepherds make their sheepfolds there, but wild beasts of the desert will lie there, and their houses will be full of owls, ostriches will dwell there, and wild goats will caper there. The hyenas will howl in their citadels, and jackals in their pleasant palaces. Her time is, is near to come, and her days will not be prolonged. I don't know if you, uh, you know, I'm, I like movies. I'm a movie buff. And if you've seen the movie, how many of you have seen the movie I Am Legend? Okay, so in there, it's kind of strange when Will Smith, the character, he's the only guy left on, on earth, or he thinks he is at that point. And he's the only guy, and he's running around New York or wherever it was, and there's nobody there. And things are, you know, they're deteriorating because that's what they do, you know. Isn't it amazing? Your house can get dirty. You can be gone for a month and your house gets dirty and things start breaking and falling apart. Cause, and you're, I, I, it doesn't do it when you're there. But it's going to be, that's kind of the picture I have because the owls are nesting in the houses and the hyenas are in there and the, and the ostriches are dwelling there. So it's just wildlife running through that city. What's left of it or whatever's there is the picture here. Jeremiah 51, 24 
uh, through 26 says, And I will repay Babylon and all the inhabitants of Chaldea for all the evil that they have done in Zion in your sight, says the Lord. Behold, I am against you, O destroying mountain, who destroys all the earth, says the Lord, and I will stretch out my hand against you, roll you down from the rocks and make you a burnt mountain. They shall not take from you a stone for a corner, nor a stone for a foundation, but you shall be desolate forever, says the Lord. If the Lord says it, we know it's going to happen. And that's what he has said. Verse 37 in Jeremiah 51 says, Babylon shall become a heap a dwelling place for jackals, an astonishment and a hissing without an inhabitant. Verse 43, her cities are a desolation, a dry land and a wilderness, a land where no one dwells, uh, through which no son of man passes. So what are the reasons then? So we see that the destruction is coming. So what are the reasons for Babylon's destruction? We go back to verse 1, Revelation 18, 1. It says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Now that word fallen, Babylon has fallen, fallen. It, the fall is, the, the word there, it's instantaneous. It, this is an instantaneous falling. And the destruction of Babylon will, will not take place over a long period of time. It, it, won't be, uh, it, it won't be days or weeks or months. It'll be instant. In fact, verse 19 tells us, uh, Revelation 18, 19 says, They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she is made desolate. One hour. So the, the, this, this judgment, when it comes and it appears, if Babylon is the city and it is the city, the rebirth of that has to be, as, as David Jeremiah says, Phoenix-like. It, it's got to be like a rising up out of destruction, out of what we would know as Babylon today. It, it would, it, it's Phoenix. You would have to be a rising up. And, but growth could happen quick. And when we think quick, we're thinking quick. We're thinking, you know, just a matter of, of months or whatever. It would be my thinking. But you look at um, Dubai. How far back do we go in Dubai is nothing. It's in our lifetimes. I don't, maybe, maybe. 25, years. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. So, I mean, I, that would be something to look at. But you're talking 20, 30 years. So Babylon could all of a sudden, something happens, changes, and Babylon, that location, could become this amazing, amazing place again. It, it's, it, it's, it's not unbelievable to understand that or to fathom that. But when the destruction comes, it's not a delayed thing. It's instantaneous. One hour. Uh, so Babylon will be destroyed for her iniquity. Verse 2 uh, says, "...has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird." Now, in Daniel's day, in his time, Babylon was infested with magicians and soothsayers and astrologers who served as King Nebuchadnezzar's closest advisors. And this demonic occultism will expand exponentially when the beast is in, when he's in control of the system, that Babylonian system, 
that the occultism is going to grow and expand even more. And a vast web of demonic activity centered in Babylon will reach out across the nations intent on possessing the minds of every person on earth. Now, I would say that this is already in place. Not in place, but it's, it's moving that way. It is, you, can, you can see, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist, preacher. It's amazing how many of those conspiracies turn out to be true, isn't it? Um, this is already the desire of power structures in the world today. And an example, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all, all, any of your social media platforms, uh, Google, they are designed, they want to get your mind. They want our kids. They want our kids on those phones, and it's addictive. I mean, there's addiction. There's this phone addiction now where, where kids are, they're, they're, they're addicted, and they say it's, um, I don't know what it compares to. Maybe it's a, a, some type of a drug, but the, the, the rush that they get from that is similar to drugs. So it's, it's like being addicted to a drug. And so this is, this is going on already. There is the desire for there's the desire for total enslavement of the entire human population. If you go back and study, and I, 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 I've read some things that talk about this, that slavery is the most profitable business you could have. Well, what if you can enslave the entire human race? You've got them totally in bondage. And they do what you say, and everything they produce is for your profit, whoever you are. This is not something that is some far-fetched idea that we see out there. This is already things that are in place today, and they're striving for this. And if you think, preacher, you're crazy, then I'm going to tell you, you, I think you're crazy. I think you're living under a rock. Look at Amazon. I'll, listen, it... it, it, it Pastor Aaron, it's amazing. We'll have a conversation. And I, I'm not on a whole lot of social media, but Pastor Aaron, will, we'll be in a conversation and something will be said and he'll have an ad on Facebook. And it'll, it'll pop up and throw up an ad up there. And I'm like, or, mm, that's a little, that's <laughs> creepy. Are you testifying? Amen. Praise God. That's the truth. Well, I, 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 here's, here's where I'm getting more and more is I don't, I don't want Alexa in my house. I don't, I don't want, yeah, I don't want that in my house. Somebody gave me one. Somebody gave me one, and, and I, I, no, we're not, we're not hooking that up. 
You know, here's the deal. I got a cell phone, so I'm already, I'm already too linked into all this junk. Uh, I would like to go back to an analog flip phone. Or I had, a, I had a little Nokia that was about that big, and I could text, but it was click, click, click. It was like doing Morse code. And that's where I'd like to go back to, but we're so connected. But I, they listen. And your phone is turned, you think it's turned off. They listen, they hear everything. So, I don't know who they are, but whoever they are, I don't like them. I don't like you. <laughs> and I don't like what they're doing, but that's where we have to be wise. So even like smart TVs that you can talk, I, don't, I just don't like that because I think, man, they, who say they don't have a camera in there? And they're watching everything and they're recording everything and there is no, I mean, there is no privacy anymore. Um, but that's, that's where this is going. And it's more and more and more control. And you see some of the things that, I probably ought to turn the live stream off right now because uh, I'm about to get in areas that I'm going to be getting little texts on my phone and stuff. But, um, but be careful because it's coming, okay? You need, to, you need to pray and ask God for wisdom in these areas of technology and what are you giving up in the way of privacy for your convenience? You know, it's like a friend told me one time. He, says, he said, you know, I'm amazed at what we're willing to compromise to be entertained. And we do. I'm probably more amazed of how much we're willing to give up for the sake of convenience. You know, well, I like to, I like to have the internet and the weather and, and my email and my texting and my phone and all that right here. We got more technology here than went to the moon. We got more technology here than they had on space shuttle. I mean, it's, it's just the technology's incredible. And it's, it's enslaving us is, is what it's doing. And that's, that's this system. That's what we're talking about, okay? So Babylon will be destroyed because of her iniquity, that demonic presence that will explode in that time. And I believe is, is on us today. And spiritual warfare, folks, you better armor up. You better armor up. Get up and put on the armor of God every day. Crucify that flesh because we have to. This is a spiritual battle. Um, those who believe different than we do, those that are, people that are even coming against us, it's not them. It's a spiritual battle. So it's Babylon will be destroyed because of her iniquity. Babylon will be destroyed because of her influence. Verse 3 says, And for... For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Can you imagine? Excuse me. I'm glad I looked up. It's time. We'll get through this point and we'll wrap up here. Um, so this influence. So can you imagine the TV commercials and the websites and the social media a promotion of such a wicked city. Can you imagine what that would be like? You know, what's the slogan today? What's the slogan? Y'all tell me where this is from. What happens in Vegas stays. What does that say? What does that say? That says come to Vegas and just do whatever you want to do in whatever vileness you want to do it. And it doesn't matter because it's whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's the idea. And it's said in this catchy little phrase, but it's, a, it's, it's, 
it's it's the glamorizing and the and and the normalizing sin. That that's what it is, and that's what will be in this city. That will be the. You, you can just imagine how this is going to promote. And depravity and immorality will flow from the city like a rushing river. The rich, powerful, depraved, they will flock to Babylon to indulge in the debaucheries that, that would make, I put it on here, Vegas and Paris and Hong Kong seem tame, but might make Paris and Hong Kong and Vegas blush. And we're talking about filth and debauchery like we've never maybe seen in the history of, of, of our world. Governments and corporations will normalize these wicked pleasures and they'll spread their influence throughout the world. John Phillips, he believes that Babylon will become the world crime center. He said the crime syndicate, already enormously wealthy and powerful, feudal, ruthless and omnipresent, will move its headquarters to Babylon. There can be little doubt that the syndicate Controlled, uh, controlling the vice traffic of the world and insinuating itself into all kinds of legitimate businesses will ultimately look to the beast as its head. So all of the organized crime of the world will come under this, this system, this leadership of that. And then in the tribulation, the wicked influence of Babylon will dominate humanity's social, political, cultural, and economic life. And so total destruction will be the only way to rid the world of that toxic contamination. God's pronounced the judgment. The judgment will come. But there, there's a lot that's going to come before that. So that's two things. It'll be destroyed because of the iniquity and because of its influence. There's a few others there. But we'll finish that up. We'll finish up next week in this preview, really, of Babylon. And then we'll get into the, the, the book of Revelation. All right. Any Two minutes over. Any questions or comments real quick? Okay. All right, Lord, thank you for our time together tonight. Uh, Lord, I pray as we go through this, my desire is not that we be uh, experts on prophetic uh, the end times and that we've got it all figured out because, Lord, none of us are going to have it all figured out. Lord, I pray as we go through this, it truly will motivate us to walk closer to you. That it'll just stir our hearts, Lord, to, 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 to live this life as believers in the closest fellowship with you that we can. And uh, Lord, may it inspire us to get out of here and get out of ourselves, get out of our comfort zones and tell others about what's coming and to tell them about our Savior, your Son, the Lord Jesus. Father, the day is drawing short and it's coming a time where, where the day will be done and, and man can't, we can't work anymore. The day will be over. The nighttime will be here. Lord, stir our hearts to share our faith and to, and to, and to pull people to you. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory. Lord, watch over our folks. Meet every need according to your perfect will. I pray you give us a good rest of the week. And uh, Lord, bring us back together uh, Sunday. I look forward already to Sunday as we, as we come around your word again and we look at the, the topic Sunday of humility. Lord, I, I just pray that you'll bless in preparation and you'll bless in that service Sunday. And we, we'll just give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.